Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Good afternoon. Welcome to the call. Great to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney. Ten companies picked by you. Two expert guests over the course of an hour plus the stock of the day on this Wednesday, the 22nd of February. Joining me today here for the full hour, Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory and Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Nice to see you both there. Um, look, to get us going, Andrew, thoughts on reporting season thus far? Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag of lollies, isn't it, Nadine? Um, and they're either doing super, super well, you know, um, one of the companies we're actually going to talk about today came out with some pretty good results. And then you sort of, on the other side, look at someone like Domino's uh, that uh, hasn't done so well. So uh, can, uh, very sort of mixed bag and certainly the macro challenging as well. So interesting times. Domino's Pizza share price down by 20% as we record this program. Actually, we're live, but if you're listening to it on Catch Up. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. To that point, the market is in no mood for disappointment and it doesn't look like people are going in to snap up any bargains either. Um, no. Hi, Nadine. Hi, Andrew. Uh, the market's certainly in no mood for disappointment. We are seeing quite a lot of volatility intraday with some of these results. Uh, I guess one of the features has been the lack of guidance caution from CEOs, especially those that are consumer facing, especially in light of what's coming in terms of that uh, fixed rate mortgage cliff mm -hmm. that we hear so much about. So uh, I think, you know, as Andrew says, there's one or two today that have reported and are in our focus, which have been pretty good. Um, and the first cab off the rank is certainly one of those. But generally, I think it has been underwhelming uh, in terms of reporting season. It certainly is not enough, I don't think to have justified really that big, big run that we saw in January. And certainly we're seeing a little dose of reality bites uh, come February. So it's, it's been interesting, but as usual, it's such a deluge. It's kind of your head spinning half the time yeah. uh, in terms of these results, some yeah. good, some bad. And, and yep. you know, you just get your head around one and it, you get hit with a whole nother deluge. Well, look, um, we'll write to the powers that be, see if we can make a difference there. But uh, Center Group <laughs> is one of those companies that reported today. Share prices up by 3%. We'll be speaking with the CEO shortly. We'll also be talking today about Nine Entertainment, Platinum Asset Management, Paradigm Pharma, Omni Bridgeway, and the Global Cybersecurity ETF hack. But uh, to the point of the day, Center Group is the stock of the day. It owns the Westfield Shopping Centers here in Australia. Full year funds from operations jumped 21% to just over $1.1 billion or 20 cents per security, exceeding guidance. The group lifted its distribution to 15.75 cents per security. It completed a record 3,409 lease deals during the year, which is an increase of 912 on the previous year. On the outlook, it expects funds from operations in the range of 20.7 cents to 21.25 cents per security for 2023. And as I mentioned, the share price right now is up by 3%. So we are very pleased to welcome to the program the CEO of Center Group. Elliot Russell Hi, Elliot. So nice to see you there. Thanks for joining us on the call. How did you beat Thank guidance? You, how did that how did that happen in a year that has been 
Well, at least marked by a lot of commentary about a slowing consumer. Well, thank you for having me on the program today. Um, you know, if we rewind the clock back 12 months, we were in an environment where it was very difficult to provide guidance. We are, there was a wave of Omicron and, uh, you know, what we saw during the course of last year was our deliberate strategy to drive visitation, to which increased to 480 million people through 2022, an increase of 67 million people on the prior year. Uh, we were able to provide the opportunity for our business partners to interact with uh, with those customers, and they in turn generated some $26.7 billion of sales, which is a record for Westfield as a brand in Australia and New Zealand. And on the back of that, momentum built through the course of the year, and we were able to achieve what is a great result for 2022. And more importantly, we were able to guide for further growth in 2023. How is that going to happen? We may as well go there right off the top. When we're talking about a slowing consumer, when we're talking about a mortgage cliff coming, when we're talking about people having to deal with the rising cost of living, why are they going to keep going to the centers to spend? Well, there are many factors uh, that drive cons consumer behavior. Uh, yes, there are rising interest rates, there are cost of living pressures, but uh, also importantly, the level of employment remains very high. Uh, wages continue to grow and the Australian household has uh, saved a lot of money over the course of the pandemic period. In fact, some $360 billion of additional savings have been accumulated uh, since the start of 2020. And in fact, the savings ratio continues to be positive. Uh, and so what we're seeing in our business in the first seven weeks of this year, at least, is 70 million customer visits, which is 10 million more than the same period in 2022. Our business partners in January achieved uh, sales that were 21% higher than uh, in the same period of January 2022 and importantly 11% higher than in 2019. So our focus is to continue to drive visitation, to continue to drive uh, giving people a reason to come to our centres. Today we announced uh, a, a collaboration with Disney to help them celebrate their 100th anniversary through in-center activations and events. Again, giving people a reason to spend their time with us. It's free to spend time at the Westfield destination, uh, but that provides the opportunity mm -hmm. for, uh, for businesses to interact with those people. And they did so in 2022, and they're doing so in January of this year, and we expect that to continue through the course of this year. And also, do you expect that the return of international visitors could be good, the return of migrants um, could be good for you know, the shopping centers. I mean, I would think that international tourists, particularly Chinese tourists, if they return in any large numbers would, you know, serve and, and speaks to the market that you serve well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, the important part is that migration is, uh, well, population growth is a, is a driver of our business. And whether that's uh, through uh, tourists or whether that's through people who are coming here to permanently settle, whether that's through population growth, the important thing is that as populations do grow, that provides a greater opportunity for us to uh, have those people come and spend their time with us, which, mm -hmm. is, uh, which is our strategic focus. Now, as a former CFO, you know the balance sheet very well. Um, liquidity is very good. Um, what about sort of your, your, the cost of debt in this rising interest rate environment? Yeah, so as you said there, our liquidity is, uh, is $4.8 billion. It's enough to cover all our debt maturities through to the uh, fourth quarter of 2025. So from a liquidity, from a balance sheet standpoint, we're in a really strong position. Uh, we took the opportunity during the course of 22 to increase our level of uh, interest rate hedging. 
Uh, the first six months of 22, we were uh, fairly lowly hedged, so we took advantage of very low interest rates uh, uh, as a, uh, in, our, in our earnings. But we uh, pivoted on that at, uh, at the half year uh, to increase dramatically our level of hedging. And so we enter into 2023 with uh, 85% interest rate hedging. Uh, and you know, we're, we're pretty well protected from, uh, from a rise in interest rates uh, through that level of hedging. Notwithstanding that we have provided the guidance, but within the guidance where we are uh, forecasting that our interest cost will increase from 4.8% to 5.6%. So we have factored in an increase in interest costs and interest rates. Uh, but we are fairly well protected from a volatility standpoint as a result of those hedges that we entered into uh, during the middle half of last year. Okay, only in the interest of time, I do believe that between 60 and 70% of your rental income is inflate, like linked to CPI. Is that around correct? About 80%. Okay, 80%. All right. And um, when you think about what's to come, so you have provided this guidance, a barring no material change in the broader macroeconomic scene. Uh, they always come with that caveat, I suppose. But what is the next potential catalyst for shareholders? I mean, if we're thinking about the share price, where there's potential gain for shareholders, what might that be? Well, I think if you think about the fundamentals of our business, we have very large fixed hat assets located in close proximity to 20 million people that operate in, in essence for limited hours of the day. And our focus is how do we uh, effectively have those destinations really activated 24 hours a day. And the better we can do that, then we'll be providing more opportunity for businesses in, uh, in a broader sense to interact with people. And that for us is a great avenue of uh, future growth because we already have uh, the infrastructure in place. Uh, our task is to now act, have it activated uh, for people to spend time at for a longer period of time. Got it. Elliot, thank you so much for joining us on Osbiz. We always appreciate your time on, on Results Day. Thank you. So you have Center Group there, Elliot Rossenau. Um, yeah, we think we're busy when reports are coming through, but uh, yeah, how about all these CEOs? They, they do a lot of talking on the day. Let's go back to my guests, Andrew Whitelin from DP Wealth Advisory, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Henry, just a quick thought on a Center Group. I mean, is this, is this a buy, hold, sell? This is the stock of the day. Um, well, it's definitely a hold. Uh, it's probably a bit of a nibble on a buy. It's, it's pretty impressive. I, I guess the, the, the thing that shines through is the power of the brand in terms of Westfield and, and the, the mere fact that they've got sort of record lease signings, those visitations. It's become a destination. Uh, and this is obviously what, what they're pushing. And, you know, when times get tough, retailers really flock to quality. And I guess this is the quality super uh, you know this is the quality super center i guess the quality shopping mall um with reasons to go there apart from shopping and of course once you're there it's very tempting to go shopping so uh definitely a hold probably uh given the level of um of hedging given the level of cpi protection through those rental increases it's verging on a buy and i suspect we'll see some upgrades coming the guidance was better they did beat and i think we're just showing the quality of the business shine through at the moment and when times get tough, uh, I think that's very important. Well, my local Westfield is you know, it's a nice shopping mall to visit as far as shopping malls uh, go. So, Andrew, any thoughts on a center group? Would you be buying, holding or selling on the basis of this result coming through and the outlook, of course? Yeah, look, it's definitely a hold in the whole REIT sector. The listed property trusts um, has certainly uh, been beaten up. So uh, definitely wouldn't be a sell. And uh, as my learned friend 
as the professor says, um, you know, quality begets quality. So certainly, uh, I, I think it's a hold. Whether it's a buy or not, I'm not quite sure yet. I'd like to see bond yields uh, start to come back off. I think that'll give me confidence relating to uh, REITs. Is it uh, the buy of the day? No, we'll, we'll keep the viewers and listeners in bated mm-hmm. breath, but okay. uh, this is not it. All right, well, we know that there's a buy coming then. All right, let's get cracking then, shall we? Nine Entertainment, it reports tomorrow. If I'm not mistaken, Willie has written in saying, does it represent value at these current prices? Uh, what do you think, Andrew? We'll start with you. Uh, look, I, I don't think it's value. It's certainly not bad. Um, I'm not saying it's harmless. If I call something harmless, that's probably where you start into getting a bit worried. But uh, the thing that sort of I'm mindful of with anything consumer discretionary is there's a lot of pain potentially coming at us and by us, the broader economy, as these interest rate bites continue to bite. And, uh, you know, based on the testimony of uh, Governor Lowe and, and all the pundits out there, there's probably at least two or three more rate rises coming at us over uh, the next few months. So businesses that are highly leveraged to consumer discretionary, uh, retailers um, and in particular media, uh, I would just be a little bit cautious of. I mean, there's certainly, you know, some great names in there. Uh, Stan and SMH, etc., uh, Nine Radio, uh, and having domain in there as well. We've seen the quality of that realestate.com results. So certainly they're not bad businesses, but would I call this a resilient business? Would I call this an inflation-proof business? I wouldn't. And as a consequence, I would say this is a hold. That's a hold. And I should say the current price is $2.06. Do you see value in a media company Henry going into what could potentially be, uh, you know, a, a painful economic slowdown for some. It could be a painful economic slowdown, that's for sure. But in some respects, they've got a little bit of hedging. Uh, you know, if we did see consumers pull back on their streaming services like Stan uh, and go back to more free-to-air, that would drag some eyeballs there and maybe prompt some advertisers to increase their spending on the free-to-air side of things. Um, it's a pretty diversified business, as Andrew says, with the uh, Sydney Morning Herald and the Fairfax, etc., uh, with Domain as well. Obviously, that's under a little bit of pressure due to the housing issues that are very well known. So it, it's probably a hold at these kind of levels. Results tomorrow, uh, they've just uh, obviously paid up for the uh, Olympic Games rights uh, for uh, 2024 to 2032. God, that sounds uh, a long way away, but it's not really, is it? It makes me feel very old. But... Um, I think, you know, at these kind of levels, $2 and just, you know, five cents or whatever they are at the moment, it's probably a hold here. Wait for the results. Uh, I No doubt the uh, the company will uh, will talk about pressures, et cetera, on uh, staffing and uh, inflationary pressures in the system and the housing issues surrounding domain. But it's, it's a very well-run, very diversified company and should weather the storms that are coming relatively well. But it's certainly, there's no reason to be buying this one at the moment. If you hold it, it's probably worth holding. Okay, there we go. I'm watching your honor on Stan. If you guys have Stan, it's uh, highly recommended. I'm wrapped. Okay, <laughs> let's get to the next on the list, which is Platinum Asset Management, PTM, been around for a very long time, but outflows are always the issue when it comes to these fund managers. Henry, are we following the flows on this one? This is for James. What are the flows telling us? Well, I guess, you know, Platinum for a long time under Kerr Nielsen uh, had the field very much to itself because we hadn't really embraced the whole ETF way 
of life. So as a result, if you want to invest in international shares or Asian shares in particular, platinum was the way to go. Um, and of course, that has been eroded over time such that Kerr Nielsen has stepped back. This is going to be an interesting one because you've got Mr. Nielsen, I think he's got 21.5% of the company agitating for Andrew Clifford, who is currently the CEO and CIO, um, to be removed or at least his role split. Um, he's not very impressed with the way Platinum is being run. There's also lurking in the background as well, Phil King at Regal Funds Management, who didn't get uh, the success he hoped for in taking over Perpetual. So there is a kind of a corporate play there. It's going to be interesting. It's always interesting when the big boys fight. They've got funds under management, which has been growing slightly. Um, they did have outflows, but because of the way the market has performed, uh, those uh, funds under management, 18.65 billion. Um, obviously, the numbers to come uh, with an update. So it's had a big run, I've got to say. Apart from the corporate appeal, it's never a good look when you've got the uh, the founder and the biggest shareholder um, sort of throwing stones at the uh, the current CEO and CIO. So I think for me, it's probably a sell. These businesses are being eroded by ETFs. We've just seen a price war break out in ETFs in a couple of products in the uh, Australian market at the moment with management fees being slashed. And uh, it's had a good run for my money, apart from the corporate appeal, which could be there. Uh, maybe we'll see more of that, but I think this is a sell at these kind of levels. Sell. Uh, UBS uh, has put out its expectations for results, which come two days for now, looking at a profit of 53.2 million, 14 above consensus, funds management profit of 58.5, so down by 2.7%. It has got a sell rating and $1.55 target on the stock. Andrew, what are you expecting to come from uh, Platinum Asset Management when it does result? Why, why would you invest in a fund manager, you know, fundamentally? That's an excellent question, Adine. Why would you invest in a fund manager when you're talking to the ETF guy? Um, and as Henry quite rightly points out, I think you might be looking at my notes again, Henry. Uh, we've seen <laughs> over the last 48 hours that both beta shares and also BlackRock have come out, or iShares have come out and substantially cut the fees on their Australian-focused ETFs. Uh, and all that's going to do is put immense pressure, not only on the other providers in the ETF space, but from a more broader perspective, all these fund managers out there as well. So certainly fees for fund managers are only going to go one way, and that's arguably down. The benefit that Platinum have had is because of their investment style. So for a number of years, it was a real handbrake because they were value investors in a world whereby interest rates were super low and it was really geared to growth. They've really come into their own over the last 12, 18 months. But again, potentially that style may sort of come unstuck towards the end of this year, early next year. I agree with Henry. The corporate appeal is probably the only thing that would make me say it's a hold. It's trading about 50 cents above consensus and without... Uh, Mr. King sitting there on the sidelines potentially wanting to have another look at it, it would be a sell. So in my mind, it's a begrudging hold. A begrudging hold. All right. Uh, yeah, information only, not financial advice. That's the daily warning. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the next on the list, which is Paradigm Pharma. P-A-R is the ticker code. Now, I am going by memory here. There's been a lot on. But this is a company that's been around for a while. Doesn't it repurpose drugs that have been used in the past for other uh, newer applications? Um, Henry, I'll start with you because you were nodding first. So I feel like you know what you're talking about, as, as always, of course. But uh, just talk to us about Paradigm 
biopharmaceuticals. I don't have context in which Stanley is asking the question. So let's start with whether it would be a buy, hold or a sell. Um, well, this is an interesting one, and Dean, thank you um, for coming to me first. I actually interviewed the CEO, uh, Paul Rennie, uh, last week. Oh, so uh, good timing. So, uh, yeah, good timing. I was quite pleased about that. That's why I didn't have to research too much. Um, yes, a paradigm is an interesting one because it is repurposing an existing drug. Not only is it an existing drug, but pentasan polysulfate sodium is made from... You want applause tree. for that, don't you? Yeah. I do. Come on, guys. There you go. Well done. Uh, but uh, this stuff is made from beech tree bark. Um, they add something to it afterwards. But it has been around for a long time, and it's currently used in a, in a, in a, um, a, a drug called Elmiron, uh, which one of its competitor uses for com something completely different, bladder uh, infections, etc. Um, Paradigm is repurposing this to target one of the biggest markets, I guess, in the world. The opportunity is huge. Uh, this is osteoarthritis, uh, and this is a very, very debilitating disease, as I'm sure some of the mm -hmm. viewers who are watching this will know. It is a terrible disease, and it really does uh, absolutely stuff up your life. So these guys, they're in phase three. Uh, it's got, got a big year in front of it if um, you know, they're still recruiting patients, but uh, this is the main thrust. They've got a bunch of, um, of conferences to present to, all the results so far have been very encouraging, to say the least, and it is definitely a hold at present. Uh, lots of news to come this year. They are targeting production in uh, 2025, uh, if everything goes well in terms of these phase three trials. Um, so it's, it's a hold. It's a great story in terms of what it's trying to address. Because it is repurposing an existing drug that has been around for a long time, the phase one and phase two trials have been far less uh, of, of a problem because you, you know that it's not going to do too much harm given that it's already in use elsewhere. They, they add, of course, the special source to it uh, and, and repurpose something that has been around to do uh, a treatment for OA, which, to be honest, there's no real treatment at the moment. There's things that kind of alleviate things short term, but um, you know, speaking to one or two of the guys at Paradigm, this this treatment they have got has been quite successful. So um, um, there are other people in the market, but this is a hold, uh, wait for news. But just, yeah, I was gonna say, so strategically, because this is a game of patience if it's not going to be commercialized until 2025 and there still is FDA approval to get through. So if you've already got it, you hold it. But if you don't own it, but are interested, you would wait for after that FDA approval comes through potentially? Well, I guess, you know, by, by then it will have a big leap if they do get FDA approval. But, you know, there, there's milestones along the way. There's, uh, there's results to present to conferences. That should, you know, in the past we've seen the stock spike on that and then come back down to earth as it trundles along the journey to, uh, to commercialization. But certainly, you know, th this is late stage towards commercialization. Uh, they've got uh, good uh, infrastructure to produce it and uh, they've got the money, hopefully, to see it through to the end. So... Uh, I'm quite positive on this one, but it will require patience, so it's not an instant gratification stock, although they are presenting at a, uh, at a world conference very shortly, which again will shine the light on them. But um, it has been going sideways, and I suspect it will continue to go sideways until we get all the, uh, the trial patients enlisted. And, uh, and that, um, that really kicks off in full, full mm -hmm. flight. Okay, so I'll go to Andrew now. So presumably, presuming you're not buying today, correct me if I'm wrong, 
uh, where would be potentially the place that you would look to buy a company like this, which is in the biotech space, um, which there are, you know, binary outcomes that are still potential and, uh, you know, but obviously a massive addressable market. Oh, indeed. And Nadine, every time you look at the presentations and any one of their biotechs, you know, one of the first few slides relates to the size of the addressable market. And generally it's in the hundreds of millions, if not the billions. So certainly that's, a, dare I say, it a given. Um, I note that there's only one broker who follows this at the moment, so it doesn't really have a big uh, universe relating to research. And I guess the other thing um, that we need to remember is that they burnt through around $15 million worth of cash in the last quarter, albeit R&D and, you know, for all the good reasons, but they've only got about five quarters of cash left. So if we're saying that, you know, they've got this 2025 um, milestone that they're wanting to achieve, and to Henry's point earlier, you would expect that they're going to have to be out there rattling the tin, they're going to have to be out there raising money, and therefore, to be raising money, you would expect that they might have some positive news, you would hope. So maybe the time to be out there, if you, if you were to be buying this, I think it's a hold as well, but if you were to be buying, you would wait until the capital raising has been announced. Whatever the good news that's potentially coming, share settles down, and that's probably the time to do it. Whereas at the moment, you know, as I said, there's about a year and a bit of cash left. There's just a little bit of uncertainty. When will they do the raising? What will it be at? What's the news? So it's a hold. Mm -hmm. Got it. Thanks, guys. That's, uh, that's good insights into that and strategy as well. Next on the list, Omni Bridgeway OBL. This is for Roger. Roger, thanks. I hope you're listening or watching, however you consume this content. And um, what do you think of litigation? Are, are we... Are we in the mood, you know, to be to be litigating? Uh, what do you think, Andrew? Oh, look, one of my uh, good friends is a lawyer, so I certainly wouldn't be silly enough to uh, to cross the the legal brethren. But yeah, I think some people might have uh, an issue just with this underlying business model relating to enabling lawyers, if I can put it so delicately. But equally so, there are some cases that should be prosecuted. There are some cases that should be uh, sort of tested in court. And as a consequence, if they haven't got the money in which to do it, then this company provides that um, gateway in which to do that. So, you know, there's two ways to look at it. This is the old IMF uh, for those, who, those of us with long enough memories. But when, when I was looking at some of the presentations, and maybe I was misreading it because there was lots of numbers and I'm not really strong with numbers, but uh, the, my reading of it was that there was basically took five years from when they sort of tipped the money in to when the actual claim is settled. That's a really, really, really long runway uh, that, you know, and some of the returns have been quite good, but again, equally so, there, it's, it's quite binary when you think about it. They either win the case or they lose the case. So there's certainly that part. The other thing is, as you know, one of the things I do is I sort of look at who's management and who's on the board and all that sort of stuff. So I sort of turned my mind as to the um, chair and also the CEO and I note that the chair is also involved with City Chic. And um, City Chic have been, had a pretty busy year. Their share price is under a little bit of pressure as well. And again, I'm not suggesting he can't do his job. He can't walk and chew gum, far from it. But again, if you've got sort of external pressures on you from other areas, that may also sort of just divert your attention. So there's a few sort of amber lights here for me on this one. So I think it's a hold. Um, Henry, can you please give us your view on Omni Bridgeway? <laughs> Buy, hold, sell. 
Um, I'd say it's a hold as well. I tend to agree with Andrew on this one. Uh, they, they talk about investment income, um, and in all, they are really a sort of a, a fund manager as such. They, they fund uh, legal cases. Uh, there can be some big uh, downgrades in terms, they've got sort of $30 billion worth of cases outstanding uh, in terms of the money that they could come to them. Of course, they only tend to get a fraction of that. Uh, and some of the write downs in terms of, you know, if someone appeals, can be quite dramatic as well. So uh, that that is a, a bit of a concern. But the, the company is kind of moving, I guess, to uh, pick up the pace. I guess Andrew talks about, you know, the five year settlement, but they are moving to pick up the pace and kind of settle early and also do uh, what they do in the secondary markets, which accelerates their cash return. And that also de-risks the portfolio. So that, that I guess, is smart thinking. And I think they've got around six, uh, eight funds um, that are going and people uh, invest in those funds and they then obviously take a fee, etc. For me, it's, it's it is a hold. It's you know, the vagaries of court, the vagaries of settlement, clearly they're looking at the US as a big growth area. They're, they're opening new uh, offices there, including Miami. They're off, opening new offices in Italy as well. Um, but um, yeah, I think for me, it's, it's a hold. I'm not sure what will drive this when you are really at the vagaries of courts and court settlements, appeals, and those sorts of things. I'm sure there's a lot of money to be made from people that are in the funds. But um, maybe the uh, the manager of those funds, not quite so much. Got it. Thanks, guys. That's Omni Bridgeway. Let's get on to an ETF, shall we? Your time to shine, Andrew. This question comes <laughs> from Eric saying, with the global cybersecurity ETF hack, is there an opportunity given the recent big headline grabbing hackings? Andrew. Over to me. Um, look, one of my favourite ETFs, Eric. I, I really do like Hack. Um, and, you know, for all the reasons just sort of outlined in the question, there's lots of bad guys and girls out there trying to get your data. And uh, therefore, as companies, uh, not only just from a personal point of view, you know, trying to protect their interests, but there's far more regulatory scrutiny as well relating, you know, ASIC as an example, uh, you know, really sort of turning the blowtorch on um, directors relating to cyber security and ensuring that uh, companies have a robust robust response in that regard. Uh, arguably, this is actually almost a defensive buy. And what I mean by that is, as I said, you know, there's a, a need for it. But even, even the more literal reading of it is that countries are now spending significant sums of money on cyber defence. I mean, take cast your mind to, you know, 12 months ago with the Russia-Ukraine um, conflict and there was a, a lot of expectation that part of that warfare not only would be physical, of course, but would actually also be cyber. And I don't need to mention Medibank and Optus in any great detail. So quite like it. I guess the thing that we have to bear in mind is that the average company in this basket, because again, it's buying a basket of global cybersecurity companies, is trading well in excess of 60 times earnings. So here in Australia, you know, we're at about 18 times earnings, 60 times earnings. So you are paying a lot of money for exposure to that growth thematic. So in an environment where people are a bit worried about rising interest rates, they're worried about growth companies, 
lots of growth companies in here and that's why the performance of this has been uh, not, it's been suboptimal over the last 12, 18 months. But if you look over the last five years, up about 14% per annum. So I hold it in the Saran Super Fund. I'm a happy holder, long term, not so happy short term, but I can certainly see it being one that's got lots of legs, medium to long term. So why not buy now then? Why not? I know that you're a holder, but if you're not a holder and it's a uh, performance has been, you know, really battered in this environment, what, why, what are you waiting for to buy? It's a buy. Oh, it is a buy. So I'm saying, I'm saying I hold it. That's cross my personal it, Cross it out, cross it out. We've got to buy, we've got to buy. Henry, would you be buying Hack now? <laughs> uh, not necessarily. Andrew, obviously, the whisperer is the expert on this one. Um, and it's obviously a great theme to play into uh, in terms of uh, cybersecurity, a very well-known theme. It has run pretty hard from $7.60 up to $8.30 uh, from its lows. So that, that would be the only thing that would be um, against it for me. So for me, it, it's a hold at these kind of levels. Um, it has got a very much a US bias. It hasn't shot the lights out in the last few years, I have to say. Uh, despite the fact that we've had a war in Ukraine and cyber incidents, etc., it hasn't really done that. And if we did see the tech sector unravel a little bit more in the US, it could probably come back a bit more. So on that basis, I'm a holder rather than a buyer of this one. If it came back uh, sort of below eight bucks or seven eighty, uh, that would be a good time to get back in again, I think. Okay, so waiting for a lower price. Got it. Thank you, guys. One, two, three, four, five. We are at the halfway mark, not doing too poorly. Let me just get you across our stock of the day, which is the center group. We did speak with the CEO, Elliot Rusinow, and uh, yeah, 80% of their uh, of their rental income is linked to CPI. Talking to our guests, Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory and Henry Jennings from Marcus Today, both have a hold on the stock. But Henry actually says it's verging on a buy, pretty impressive results coming through. Um, Look, Andrew just sort of, cons uh, you, you know, there's a weaker consumer uh, coming through. So just a bit of caution there, but it is a hold. Getting on to the companies that have been nominated by you, nine. It is not bad value, Andrew says. But again, he's just a bit of cautious around this area of the market, considering what's happening in the consumer discretionary space or likely to. Um, look, Henry says it's quite diverse. It's a hold for him. Platinum Asset Management, it's a sell for Henry Jennings for Marcus Today. Funds under management is what you want to know. It's been on a big run. He doesn't think that's necessarily justified. And uh, yeah, it's a hold for Andrew who points to the fact that there's a bit of a race to the bottom in terms of fees when it comes to ETFs. So perhaps putting a bit of further pressure on the funds management business. Paradigm Pharma, it's a hold for Henry. You heard what he said. He quite likes the stock, but you know, news to come, lots of news to come. Andrew says, just watch out. It's burning through its cash. So potentially wait for some sort of a good news announcement that will inspire some sort of a capital raising, and that's when you might want to look to get in. Omni Bridgeway, it's a hold for both of my guests. And the Global Cyber Hack ETF, it is a buy from Andrew Whiteland. He likes it. Um, he reckons there will be more spending in this area. And uh, look, Henry just says it's a hold. It hasn't been crash hot, even in an environment where we should have seen a lot of these um, hack-related companies do really, really well. So let's get to the portfolio, shall we? It's a high conviction fund. It's picked by our investment committee, of which Henry Jennings is a part. You can check out the latest episode online. Um, into February, we saw Aristocrat, JB Hi-Fi removed Paradigm. 
and New Century Resources, which does have an offer on the table now as of yesterday, were added. BHP, CSL and Boss Energy weightings were increased. The fund so far is up by around 13% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st. If companies talked about on this program get a double buy, they get sent to the investment committee. If a company in the portfolio is a sell on this program, then again, we keep the conversation going as to whether it belongs in that high conviction fund. So that's the rules of the game. Uh, keep sending your requests and we'll keep putting them to our expert guests between 12 and 1 Eastern, Monday to Friday. Stay with us. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Next up, PSE Insurance, ticker code PSI. Then we'll speak IDP Education, the Venec Wide Moat ETF, Karoon Energy, which re did report today, and EML Payments, which reported today as well. Let's get cracking, shall we? Let's go to our guests, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today, Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory. Guys, talk about PSC Insurance for Sean. I'll admit, I don't know the company. What do you know about it, Andrew? So it's, uh, it provides insurance aggregation is probably the easiest way of describing it. Um, sort of out there buying sort of smaller brokerage-like businesses. Uh, and it certainly is an area where there can be sort of um, economies of scale. Um, but the big thing about insurance, and of course, you know, like QBE is the best performing company on the ASX this year, um, which is strange because for a number of years it's been an absolute killer. but I guess it's a low benchmark but insurance companies really are in vogue at the moment in particular you know before talking about the distressed consumer or the consumer under stress um, generally you're finding companies uh, businesses their premiums are increasing and increasing by at least inflation so it's one of these businesses that sort of has that inflation protection or that hedge built into it in the case of uh, this company as well, they've got geographic diversification. It's not just sort of a, a one-trick pony. So um, I, I, I quite like it. I think it was pretty good. The result today that came out uh, was, a, again, ahead of expectations as well. So uh, I'd say this is a buy. Buy for PSC Insurance. Um, what do you make of it, Henry? Um, I've got to say, um, I'm loath to say buy, but I'm going to say buy. Um, the results were pretty good. Uh, everything was going in the right direction. We've got underlying revenue up 15%. You've got underlying EPS up 17%. It's one of those kind of stocks that flies under the radar. An insurance broker very much focused on the UK, Australia. They've got a Hong Kong operation as well. They're doing quite well out of travel insurance because we're all traveling again. I imagine the Hong Kong office will do quite well out of that as well. So I think there's some, uh, some kind of macro tailwinds that these guys have got. Premiums are going up as well, which obviously helps them. It is a bit of a, I hate to say it, it's a bit of a roll-up kind of strategy as well embedded in it because it does, as Andrew says, uh, buy insurance brokers uh, and, and add them into their suite of, uh, of companies that they, they look after and uh, own. And, of course, there is some risk there because uh, roll-ups always have some risk in terms of whether the owners of those businesses hang around. These guys seem to have structured it quite well. Um, it's not going to shoot the lights out but um, it's pretty solid business. 
in a pretty solid environment uh, and they do have some macro tailwinds. It, it is a buy on that basis. The results were good, better than expected and everything going in the right direction. But there's probably, I guess, part of the problem is that it's not widely followed. Um, so it can slip through the gaps. Uh, the volumes aren't always great in terms of liquidity. So you just have to be careful of that. But um, I, I could easily see this one pop back up towards $5.20 uh, as the, uh, the brokers that do follow this one. Uh, pronounced judgment so mm -hmm. it, it's a buy on that basis okay thank you guys our first double buy of the day let's get to idp education now this is a company that could potentially really stand to benefit as we see these chinese tourists return and um it's got a lot sort of going for it in the eyes of many analysts so what do you make of it henry this is for lucy uh, hi, Lucy. I, I like this one, I've got to say, and for all the reasons that you mentioned, uh, Nadine. I guess one of the problems that we've seen, especially with Chinese students returning to Australia, which is where these guys uh, are, are focused, as well as Indian students, of course, is the visa problem that we're seeing. It's all very well to get uh, be told by your government that Chinese students have been told that basically online degrees don't count and that you have to do face-to-face. So there is a big incentive for them to come to Australia. There's, there's two problems with that, of course, is one is getting a visa, which can take a long time. And the other problem is once you get here, it's very expensive. And where do you stay? Accommodation is a massive, massive issue for overseas students. Uh, very expensive. Obviously, we're seeing cost of living pressures on rents, etc. So that does slow down the flow. It has rallied quite hard um, and clearly it has some big, big macro tailwinds. Uh, in terms of uh, the resumption of the international student. But um, we've got a new CEO, new MD as well, uh, Tanil O'Shaughnessy. So that's interesting. But um, quality business, they did really well to pivot towards the Indian market during uh, COVID. China, of course, opening up. Um, so it is positive. It's a hold. I have been positive on this before, but lower down. At these kind of levels, I think it's a hold mainly because of the visa and accommodation issues, which could slow things down a little bit for them as we reopen to uh, international students. So that's a hold? That's a hold, Henry? Yeah. yeah. Okay, apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew, do you see IDP? And I mean, it, it doesn't particularly look cheap. Is there any reason to buy now? It, it, it's it's a great business um, and it's forecast to be growing revenue by about 35% next year. So, you know, GDP is growing at three, 10 times uh, GDP, but you're being asked to pay a P of 40 times to buy that. So, you know, that's pretty fully priced. Um, and that new CEO is actually an amber light for me, no disrespect to, to her. I'm sure she's a very competent operator, but whenever there's a new CEO that comes in, that just makes me pause. Because as we've said previously, this is their opportunity to make their mark, to uh, have a look in the closet. Are there any skeletons or anything that they can be bringing out to make their performance and bonuses look pretty good in one, three or five years time? So I, uh, I think it's a whole, but it is a quality business. And uh, if it was to sort of come back five, 10 percent, I'd be very interested. OK, five to 10 percent. I'll write that down because it's worthwhile for those that are looking for an entry point. Thanks, guys. Let's get on to the Venec Wide Moat ETF. M-O-A-T, Moat is its ticker code. This is for Peter, and he wants your view, Andrew. I can only, only surmise that when he writes ETF guru, he means you. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> give us your view. Um, thanks, Peter, for those kind words. Um, 
because I'm not going to get them from Henry. I I don't I don't mind Moat. Moat uh, is uh, is an interesting one, as the name suggests. It buys businesses that Morningstar's analysts feel. So again, it's not necessarily an index. It's important to note. It's more uh, Morningstar's in um, analysts rather that have sort of got these businesses that they think have competitive advantage that have a big moat around them. And as a consequence, they've got 49 companies, predominantly US, that satisfies that criteria. Uh, companies like Adobe, uh, Salesforce, Boeing, you know, these are quality companies. So I quite like it. It has performed pretty well, in particular of late. But to Henry's point before about hack being heavily exposed to IT, this one is about 32% IT. So in other words, if we do happen to have a bit of a market tantrum, everyone suddenly hates uh, growth companies, they hate IT companies, then Moat is absolutely going to be in the frame for, for some price weakness. So even though I like it, again, it's another one that's owned in my super fund, I probably don't have as high a conviction as hack. And therefore, I'd just maybe wait for that inevitable once or twice a year where the market uh, has the unhappies. And if it was to sort of get into that 95 to 100 mark, I'd be absolutely buying it. But it's probably a hold purely on the basis that there's still plenty of volatility about it at the moment. But I like it. Do you like it, Henry? No, not for me. Um, you know, some of these ETFs, they're basically just managed funds masquerading as an ETF. Um, you know, they're, they're not passive. These guys have basically picked a bunch of stocks based on a criteria that the fund manager has decided on, not unlike a managed fund, and then it's traded on the uh, exchange and masquerades to some extent as an ETF. It is uh, heavily biased towards the US. It is heavily biased towards uh, Boeing and a number of other stocks, Adobe, as Andrew says. And realistically, you know, you are putting your faith in the fund manager uh, with in terms of their analysis and that's no different really to a managed fund the difference really only is the level of fees that you're paying because these are uh, usually cheaper uh, and less active I guess uh, but not for me I think the, uh, the this one has run a little bit hard it is coming off and I think it may come off a little bit more so uh, not for me I'm afraid sorry Andrew Okay, that's a difference in investment philosophy, really, because, you know, some would say what's wrong with putting your faith in analysts of a managed fund or an ETF when you're not up to picking the individual stocks no, yourself or not interested. That, that, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, as long as you understand the, the mentality, the theory about how they pick those stocks, why they picked Boeing, why they picked Adobe, you know, Boeing has a wide moat you could argue but it also has a big competitor in Airbus there's also the risk there with Boeing that you know we get another 737 max situation again so you know you're not um, and there's three three or four percent in Boeing I'm not suggesting that Boeing is a bad investment I'm just saying that it's good to actually understand the underlying reasons why the uh, Morningstar guys have picked this and, and you know they're much stronger in the US than they are here but um, that, that goes to the, the concept I guess that it's a US uh, effectively an ETF but um, not for me I'm Got afraid. It. Thank you. No it's okay. You're allowed to disagree. Yeah. You get along really yeah. well most of the time. <laughs> Let's get on <laughs> to the next on the list. It's good to have some divergence of opinion. To Karoon Energy, KAR Michael 
Look, Henry, this one is in the fund, the Osbiz uh, High Conviction Fund. I believe it was Nathan Somasandaram that put it on the table, but I think just going by memory, you agreed to put it in. It reported today, it is producing, <laughs> spending a bit still to bring some of its projects to fruition. Uh, is this a good investment today? Is it a buy, hold, sell today? I have to say, Nadine, it's not often I agree with uh, Nathan. I can't remember if he put this one in or not, but certainly this is one of my uh, favorite in terms of oil and gas exposures in the sort of second tier. And the results out today uh, were pretty good, I have to say. Net profit uh, increased 275% to 82.4 million US dollars. So not a bad result. The stock has gone nowhere on the back of that because you know, with production reports and quarterly reports, we kind of know what's coming to some extent. It has been languishing uh, for the time being, but that's more, I suspect, a, f a factor of the uh, the crude price at the moment. This is a Brazilian oil producer. Uh, they have got some embedded uh, leverage. There's a couple of uh, oil plays that I don't think the market is actually pricing in at the moment. Uh, Neon and Goya uh, could add substantially to that if they get successful with that. It has transformed itself from a cash box into a, a serious oil producer in Brazil. Maybe the market's been a bit turned off by some of the events that we've seen in Brazil politically. I like this one. If it gets back down to 210, it's a strong buy. Here it's 224, it's definitely a hold. Uh, but $2.10, which it does get to every now and then and then perks back up again, strong buy, get into it. But uh, at the moment, I think because the oil price is kind of trending sideways, uh, this will continue to trend sideways as well. But it's a very good quality second line oil company with some leverage to those new oil will, uh, drills that they're doing uh, with Neon and Goya, uh, which could add, some analysts are saying, up to a dollar, dollar twenty to uh, the valuation of this one if they're successful. Okay, so Henry says buy under $2.10. It's sitting today at $2.23, coming under a bit of pressure on market in the wake of that result. As far as oil and gas companies go, Andrew, do you like Karun? Yeah, I do. And I, uh, I agree with the professor. It's a buy. Um, and the reason it's a buy is because it's a PE of three. Uh, prior to the results being released today, forecast earnings per share growth next year was around 14%. So it's not very often that you get to buy any company on a PE of three, never mind that peg ratio that I like to use where the earnings per share forecast percentage growth is greater than that PE ratio. Um, but the other thing, of course, Nadine, is that a lot of these monster um, oil and gas companies, the global players, are all cashed up because there's handbrakes on them relating to their ability to go out and be doing exploration and so forth, you know, due to ESG concerns. So they're madly paying out these big dividends, but they're also therefore in the scope uh, or in the frame of mind rather to be sort of that M&A piece. So I'd also think that, you know, this is potentially a takeover target, albeit, you know, $1 billion plus, it's certainly not small, but compared to, you know, Conoco, um, Total, you know, one of those guys and girls, it's chicken feed. So, yeah, I'm very, very happy to buy it. And I agree with Henry, if you can get it at 210, that's amazing. But even at these levels, I'd be happy to buy it. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. That's Karun Energy. It's not quite a buy, double buy. Um, you know, Henry would look to get it cheaper, which could happen, you know, when we see the oil price swing around. Let's get on to EML Payments. This is yet another company that has reported, another beleaguered company, let's say, <laughs> as of late, that's reported today. This is for Maggie. Hi, Maggie. Um, underlying earnings guidance reaffirmed full year revenue between $235 million and $245 million. 
it's talking up gross profit margin. Um, look, it's it's a company that still, though, has a lot of regulatory headwinds it's still facing. Is that enough to put you off at Andrew? Or do you potentially see value here, um, given the fact that really at times you would have thought things couldn't get much worse for EML? What could go wrong, Nadine? What could go wrong? Um, <laughs> There, there is no value here. Uh, it has been a value destroyer, down 76% over the last 12 months. So certainly, uh, I mean, I guess depending on whether you thought, you know, 12 months ago, $5 plus was value. But yeah, even, I just can't bring myself to do it. Uh, I'm certainly not going to suggest that Ausbiz viewers spend, a, listeners spend a lot of time looking at it. Uh, my favourite line in all my research was when they talk about the issues they're facing with the Central Bank of Ireland more to do and extra oversight and uh you know if i'm sort of trying to run a business and i've got the regulator looking over my shoulder and rightly so um is management going to be focused on growing the business or is management just going to be focused on sort of keeping the wolves from the door so to speak so i can think of lots of reasons not to be there a one percent return on equity one percent profit margin if it waddles like a duck and it quacks like a duck, Nadine, it's a duck. Okay. <laughs> that is a, well, if you're in it, it's a sell and it's definitely not a buy. It's an avoid. Let's call it that for Andrew. Henry, any different thoughts? Um, th th this was supposed to be a, a pretty easy business to understand gift cards at one stage, but they've become a, a global payments solution provider. Uh, and Ireland has been a thorn in their side, I have to say. Lots of transformation going on at the moment. Uh, new CEO, they've got a new chair coming in as well, who was formerly um, the CFO of Afterpay. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Um, this is either going to emerge from the transformation from, the, um, from, from its cocoon, either as a butterfly or as a moth. But at the moment, it does seem to be that I'd be happy to keep watching the cocoon because if it does become a butterfly, uh, then you're going to have a bit of time to get on board this one. For the moment, I think this is well and truly step aside, avoid. Uh, the transformation strategy is starting. It's happening. I once went to a presentation these guys did. Uh, it was so high tech, I had no idea what they were talking about. It was a whole day on global payment systems and all their customers singing their praises and then the stock absolutely collapsed not long after that and uh, they've had serious serious problems i transformation strategy stocks are always hard work and to be honest there is a moment that if the strategy is working you can jump back in and you may miss the first 10 percent 20 percent even but uh, you may capture a lot more upside if it really does turn into a butterfly but at the moment this is still in the cocoon and I'm happy to leave it there, happy to avoid it. I'll keep an eye on it for uh, for any progress, but um, new CEO, new chair, transformation. As Andrew would rightly say, these are not amber lights going off, uh, red lights. They you know they even wrote off 120 odd million bucks today in, in what they call the, uh, the, the, the um, impairments. So it's, it's been a tough time for these guys. I don't think it's gonna get any easier. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It brings us to the end of the program. Just sit tight while I just very quickly summarize what we've learned. PSC Insurance 
It's a buy from both of my guests. Uh, Henry says it does fly under the radar, but he is expecting some broker re-ratings in the wake of its result. It's uh, too expensive, IDP education in a nutshell for Andrew, but if he saw it pull back between 5 and 10%, he would be buying it because it is a solid company. He's got a bit of questions around new management, uh, just because that's usually an indicator that there could be a potential change in strategy. Um, yeah, it's rallied hard in Henry's view. Karun Energy, again, this is a buy for Andrew. He really likes the company, cheap PE, lots of things going for it. Uh, Henry really likes it as well. He would just prefer to get it a bit cheaper. $2.10, he reckons, is still a possibility. If you'd like to hear from the CEO of Kroon Energy, stay with us. We will be um, re-listening to one of those interviews just after 1 p.m. Uh, Andrew Gagan spoke with him a little bit earlier this morning. Uh, Moat, uh, let's get that. Uh, oh, I, yeah, we've got Moat on here as well. Uh, don't mind moat, says Andrew. He'd prefer to buy it between 95 and 100. Henry doesn't like it at all. Uh, when we get to EML payments, it is an avoid coming through from both of my guests. Um, just really terrible history and what's your certainty that there's a turnaround going to take place. All right, uh, Andrew Veitland, DP Wealth Advisory, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Look, I know it's a really busy time of year getting through all the results that are out. We very much appreciate your time as always. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Professor. Take care. And uh, that's it for the call today. Don't worry. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Any companies you'd like to, to cover, just email us at thecallosbiz.com.au or you can also tweet us. Uh, just a reminder about our annual subscriber survey. I would love for you to take part, particularly we know that so many of the viewers and listeners of the call are very, you know, very, very um, engaged, let's say, with what we do. So we'd love to know what you would like us to do more of, what you'd like us to do less of. We you know, literally have implemented some suggestions coming from our surveys over the past couple of years. Uh, the address is on the screen, osbiz.co forward slash 23 survey. And just as a little sweetener, we've got some prizes that you'll, your name could be if you want them to be entered into. Stay with us, we'll bring you through the pulse with uh, Andrew Gagan, he's next. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.